0: Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to
1: live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 74 of the Coach Fury Podcast. This is a great one. Uh, Not that they're not all great, but I just had a blast catching up with my friend Elizabeth Smith-Andrews from Seattle. Elizabeth and I met as fellow DVRT master instructors in Scottsdale, Arizona, at one of our leadership summits. And she's just uh, one of those people sometimes you don't even get to spend a whole lot of time with, but you connect with. She's awesome. And uh, not only is she super funny and a true individual, she also has a ton of experience in this business. So I'm really excited if you hear our chat. But before we get on to all the glory of Elizabeth, let's talk about me for a little bit (laughs) because of all the episodes of this show. You don't get to hear about me enough, right? So let's talk about some workshops that are coming up. Uh, the next one is coming, uh, the RKC, which is sold out in March 2nd. So hey, a lot of people have been asking for spots for that. That one is like sold, sold, sold out. The next one coming up is October 26th and October 27th at Catalyst Sport. We're back at Catalyst in October, which makes me infinitely happy after a year not doing one there um, for the RKC. So, Stop worrying about this March one, let's come and hang out in October. It's only gonna allow you to prepare for it even more. Um, But after that RKC that sold out, Original Strength pressing reset June 9th at Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery. We've got the HKC Kettlebell certification coming up at Bowery as well on August 18th. It's not on the books, but if we go back the clock a little bit, Original Strength is coming June 15th to MSC Strength, Tina Moore spot, and it's in the new location in Norwell, Massachusetts. So I'm super psyched to be that. So you have that on June 15th, then the HKC on August 18th. Original strength pressing reset Saturday, September 7th at ACWA Tulsa in Oklahoma. And then the following day, we're going to do a DVRT workshop. That's going to be on the 8th. And, uh, like I said, that RKC kettlebell certification, there are other stuff in the works. We're talking about getting a DVRT level one and level two in the city. I definitely want to get at least two more DVRT workshops locally this year. If you're interested in hosting one, uh, maybe outside of Brooklyn or the city, let me know. Uh, you know, we just, I taught two of those back to back weekends and it's just such a fun and informative course, four hours, low stress, and it's only a hundred dollars. It's it's a doozy. Uh, I love it. So I look forward to teaching more this year. But uh, I hope to see one of these things that are coming up, right? Come hang out with me. Come learn with me. And uh, you can actually judge, like, is Fury how he sounds on this podcast I listen to? (laughs) Is that something you would even question? Anyway, also, if you're in the neighborhood of Gowanus, South Brooklyn, come by and try a class. We have discounts first 40... 40% 40% off your first month over here on a three month minimum membership. And then we uh, you know, have personal training over here in Gowanus, Brooklyn at Fury Industries, AKA Speakeasy Strength. And I would love to see you. It's been very cool lately. I've been getting more and more calls from friends that are coaches or trainers or people that come to the course that just wanna check out how I run my classes, how we put things together, and just to take a break from whatever facility they're in. So thank you for those of you that reach out. I, I think I get a kick out of that. That's always pretty cool. And uh, that is enough about me. Oh, hey, last thing. Rate the show. If you're on your phone and you go all the way down to the uh, the podcast app, that's where you can rate the show. If you've listened to like three or more, throw me a bone and uh, hit that rate. It really helps out on the algorithms. I think it looks good in the eyes of the Apple lords to see that happening. And uh, it it does make me feel good. Uh, I get a bunch of messages about people responding to things in this episode and that episode, or I tried this workout or I really dug that person. But uh, I know more people are listening than messaging me. So that would help a lot. Anyway, I love you. Episode 74, Elizabeth Smith Andrews. Hey, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> We're just going to switch right in into podcast mode with my friend Elizabeth Smith-Andrews uh, on the Zoom, coming in from Seattle. Uh, we've just been catching up for like basically half the time I had scheduled for the podcast. Uh, it is so good to see you and be chatting with you.
0: Oh, likewise, friend, likewise. You know, that is one of the perks of social media, because I get to... See what you're doing, and see what uh, superheroes you're about, <laughs> or what you know, dinosaur you're showing for the day. But or what, I like pit
1: bulls we have, and what they're up. Yes, they're let's
0: wearing. really talk about
1: important. <laughs> I, I, you know, again, I I don't want to go in a whole social media thing. We were just talking about uh, folks, listeners. Elizabeth, I've done like seven episodes it seems on my my emotional distress over social media and I think I'm finding a good place but that is the good spot when like so Elizabeth and I met at a DVRT Master Trainer Summit Master Instructor Summit hit it off immediately we didn't get to hang out too much because there's so much going on those weekends and uh, I, I just always liked you a lot like we didn't get to hang out enough but you know you make those connections yeah. and I think there's that weird disconnect where the nice thing is actually meeting people in person Mm -hmm. but then we uh elizabeth lives in seattle and i live in brooklyn so we don't get to see each other so social media that is the good part of social media and even when something bad happens that's the part where i am one of those people that thinks like clicking like or sending a heart or sad face whatever i think it does mean more than some people want to admit it means in a good way um but that's the other thing that's awesome about this podcast because now not only are we catching up on the podcast but we've already had a half an hour uh just hanging out so thank you and i get to
0: see your mug and i love that
1: Likewise. likewise for the weird lighting in this iteration of the room it's like weird sunlight the lighting in my apartment sucks
0: well the same and you know we snowed like we got about i don't know seven inches which when seattle gets snow the lowlands we shut down it's like when it snowed in the south so I've got the bright from the snow coming in and the same thing and then the light into the kitchen. And it's not very flattering. That's why I wanted to make sure you weren't showing this wasn't <laughs> a visual thing. Because I just taught yoga and I don't have makeup on, typical, but still, you know.
1: You look great, though.
0: Oh, thank you, Stevie.
1: I wouldn't know that, <laughs> but I look like I'm like almost one of those guys who's trying to have his identity hidden with the weird shadows. <laughs> I'm going to put in one of those voice disorders. Over there.
0: You can um, get by with it.
1: <laughs> so this is sort of like the best case worst case scenario i think it's the best case of how i like these shows to be uh it's potentially the worst case we'll see how this goes for the guests okay. because uh, listeners i've said this before these shows are just talking points and i don't have any sort of set list of questions <laughs> so, like i really want to talk to you so we'll figure out what we talk about and uh so i think that can be a little bit difficult for somebody coming on so i appreciate that but uh it is just about two friends catching up and having a conversation that's, oh, honey, you know I love that. I'm yeah, that I, I feel like those are the most fun ones because yeah. uh, I'll be honest, there's there's better podcasts and fitness for pure education. This one's more about getting to know people, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, and you might glean some, like, wonderful uh, knowledge nuggets out of that. That sounds like a gross phrase, by the way. Knowledge nuggets doesn't sound great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can buy those at Roy Rogers. So, yeah, I
0: got a visual. Thanks, Steve. I got that. <laughs>
1: Well what I thought we would talk about one of the things that impressed me is uh about you and one of the things that I loved about the DVRT team when I was when I was in. So uh let's go back a few years in our time. Do, do you remember how many years ago?
0: Was that like 7?
1: 6? I think 5 years ago. Okay. Um, okay. I, I think my first maybe it's 6. I want to say it might have been 2013. Let's say 2013. Okay. It could have been 2012, but I could be wrong. It's been a while. It's been a few years. It's been a few years. Yeah. And we haven't seen each other in three years, coming up on three years. Because
0: you weren't there last
1: year. I wasn't there last year. We didn't have one the year before.
0: And then I didn't go one of the years.
1: And then, But but there were three, I think, so so maybe six years.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So when – you know, a lot of the courses when I was becoming a trainer and how I started, I guess, I, I don't want to know if building a name is a thing, but was through the kettlebell world. But at the same point, that was just because I was able to participate in more kettlebell certs. And I, so I wrote more for them. There just wasn't as much DVRT, Josh Hankin stuff happening in New York. But when there was, I was a part of it. I was already teaching classes and stuff. But when I got there to the first summit it was a wider range of people coming in. Like the one thing in the kettlebell world is there is a bit of like, uh, we do tend to overly love ourselves as like our free initials. <laughs> and, uh, but there is also this dogma that like, that's all we are is kettlebell people. Right. And on one hand, I love getting exposed to, uh, the different experience bases coming in. But I will say I was also heavily viewed at as the kettlebell guy. So it's also a little bit like, Oh god! Everyone's being kind of douchey to me on this. Not everybody. <laughs> I mean, not one of those. But Thank the, you. But you're one of the perfect examples, though. of Somebody that has been in the business a long time uh, has a ton of experience, and I don't mean that like in an age way. It's just like, how many years have you yeah. been a, a coach or a trainer?
0: Thirty years.
1: Fucking a! Like you have literally. <laughs> that's basically <laughs> the birth of like this as an industry, in a way, yeah. uh, because personal training is only really as as a thing only started in the eighties.
0: Do you know, it's funny that you say that, because at the time I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I started in group fitness, of course, teaching classes, because I wanted to kind of keep dance alive, and we brought in this gal from Ann Arbor, Michigan, who was going to teach us about personal training, and we wanted to provide that service for our club. People balked, they joked, and now, I think she had had exercise science, and again, you weren't hearing that in college at that time. They bought, and I remember being told, people will never pay for this service. And here we are. You know, so I do, I remember that so vividly. That was about 1988,
1: 89. I'm, I'm listening. Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to text the nanny to bring the kids over a little later so we can talk a little longer.
0: <laughs> Multitasking. Listen, I'm going to be selfish
1: about that. Um, I'm texting right now. I'm not even going to edit this out, folks.
0: <laughs> well I'm just glad my dogs already had to pee so I don't have to say excuse
1: me I didn't let them out so but what I want to like sort of glean this because I came in you know I this year September will be nine years for me in okay. fitness huh. um May will be eight years full-time so when I started okay. part-time teaching classes so you know again not super veteran but not super new anymore either which was right. like a realization actually it was on this podcast where I realized like Oh, I'm actually not that new. Um, it sounds like horrible, but like in a good way. Uh, <laughs> experience, right? Yeah. Experience. What would you say? So, so, we've seen in the last, I'd say, two years in particular, sort of big shifts in business models that I think are a little bit more, I don't want to say volatile in a way, but there was like personal training's dead, everything is semi private, yeah. and everything was small group. And then personal training seems to be making a comeback in a lot of ways, at least around me and in my Mm -hmm. business. Um, What have you, what, what has been like in your time with that sort of growth of personal training? What was like the most impactful business model switch you've seen over the last 30 years?
0: Oh dear. Well, and I won't say like from my experience as a creative Fitness entrepreneur. I won't say that I think it's been a positive shift. The first shift, like in group, was things becoming so corporate, less meals coming in uh, to the scene, different things like that. So when I started, and those before me and around me, when we started as instructors, educators, we had to create our content, we had to create our music. Like it was truly a skill art form and pres- presenting to a small class or a large class or a big stage, like it truly was an art form. Then it became kind of bastardized, if, in my opinion. So now there's this free choreography and there's this, this script, if you will, and how to teach, when to teach, when to say, woo! I mean, it's so scripted that now you're getting all these instructors coming in off the streets without, the experience and background of really having, and I know it's like this in any industry. You hear this with all sorts of things. My husband as an art director, what used to be a craft of working with your hands and boards are now everything, you know, young and you push a button. And then the personal training world, because there's so many um, courses offered that you can learn online or you can learn In a day, and now you're this trainer that you're going to help people move better, but yet you lack some of the functional anatomy or the whys or the hows, Um, and then you have corporations or businesses jumping on that to offer. I just feel like we have made Walmart more crowding as far as what we provide the services we provide as movement educators. And it makes me really sad. And I even see it like on the big stage of ideal world, which in fitness is like the Super uh, uh, conference on a global level. And it's become so corporate and so watered down. It makes me really sad, but I know I'm saying what a lot of people say about all sorts of industries.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it where we're not, we're not so different than a lot of industries yeah. i think fitness is an interesting one coming from a background of advertising mm-hmm. and production is that we're one that like the the if you said somebody like i work in advertising somebody will think you have something to do with ads right like if you just the yeah. basic i work in advertising oh so you sell stuff you work in you make ads or something when you say you work in fitness people don't know what the fuck we are yeah. using. and they don't know what like level of quality, like what I do versus what another gym might do or what other type of class might do. It's like saying like I do kickboxing, but you do cardio kickboxing or do you do Muay Thai kickboxing? Like the two are very, very, very different. And I think that's a hard thing in our industry. So it becomes easy for that corporate influence because it simplifies for the owner. Mm -hmm. And I guess in a way simplifies for the trainer, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. so what do you think led that more business owners trying to make money by implementing? And I have to admit, I wasn't really familiar with Les Mills. I've never gone down the rabbit hole of that. Yeah. only heard about him through, I think you and, and a couple of the women at that first summit was the first time I heard of that as a brand is yeah. I came up like relatively late in the game at a oh, yeah. studio. Uh, but it seems like now with everybody trying to sell mentorships and and, and masterminds, That everyone wants to sort of open a business, but no one really wants to figure out for themselves how to run the business. Mm -hmm. And I think classes and programming are part of that. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, like Zumba would be the same thing. So like I've talked to my husband a lot about this because we met in the fitness world. He used to take my class. So, and he's, you know, in advertising, I forgot you all share that
1: glorious Which agency does he work? Does he still work at an agency?
0: No. Now he's freelancing, which he really loves, but, you know, it has its own set of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Seattle that have great – has smaller – I should say smaller agencies. It's more B-Market because we wanted to be here for quality of life. We didn't want to do the L.A. New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's an art director as well. So – but I've talked to him a lot about it. So he's evolved with me and the fitness. And like, we get the why they, Les Mills created the corporate. It does make it easier for the business owner. So then if you need a sub and you've got this huge following, I can then get a sub who will be able to provide a service that people can count on. The flip of that is it's Walmart and it's watered down as far as what's required from the instructor and what the participants can get. But I think we've become a society that, we celebrate celebrate mediocrity as David Doggin says, and that makes me nuts. The flip of that though, so I still teach step, Hardly anybody teaches step anymore and it's my own choreography. It's my creation I bring a lot of different movement modalities in my choreography to train the brain and the body when I need to go out of town and get a sub oh my Fucking goodness. I can hardly like we've had to cancel the class. So that's the flip as a business owner of having more personal creativity in your movement offerings is that happens. So I get the why. I just wish we could balance it some and I wish like for step, for instance, that is such a great movement modality to work your brain better than Svoku and crossword puzzles, and then to keep you agile, and then you get to go clubbing, but without going clubbing, you know, I got a great
1: DJ. I- I'm really glad you brought, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm really glad you brought the step up, because I was actually going to mention that as something that like in terms of your experience and fitness, you post these step videos sometimes, and I'm like, I could never <laughs> ever do that.
0: Oh, yes, you could.
1: Uh, I, maybe if I like took a class, I would never be able to teach that. But you well, make that
0: it's shit, different teaching. You yeah. do
1: dance, you make that shit flow. Like it <laughs> looks amazing. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. But I think that's that hard part of so is that a, a fault of it being step, or is that a fault of systems at the place you work that they didn't set up like in for lack of a better word, understudies for you? Well, right.
0: I think it's kind of both for one, the industry as a whole, the big box gym, they are not providing step anymore because they don't think that people want it. Now the club that I teach at here in Seattle is locally owned and they appreciate that there is still a group that wants to take it. And there you, you'll see in my videos, I've got 70 year old down to 20 something. They all can, and it's like any movement, right? You can modify, you can yeah. pick and choose. So they still provide it. If you go to more of a corporate national gym, they're like, no, people don't want it anymore, so we're not going to offer it. I can't tell you how many messages I get across the country from people on Facebook or follow me on Instagram. They're like, I wish my club still offered Step. I want to do Step. I wish we did Step. And so it really makes me sad. It's like, I'm going to keep Step alive as long as (laughs) I can still move. One, selfishly, because it is my creative outlet as far as, creating the choreography to flow with the musical interpretation with music and I love the music. I've used my hip-hop and dance, and I love that. Uh,
1: I have a, well, I don't have it anymore. I bought a step. Even I, like before I knew anything about fitness had bought one and tried to do that shit. Remember like body shaping on ESPN? <laughs> yeah! That's where I learned, like, most of my, like, early fitness before I knew what I was doing. I would watch you those.
0: watching the girls in those little. It
1: was part of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, like, they're yeah. very hot.
1: Well, I'll say, you know, my, my friend Keelan, from who I grew up with in elementary school, it became one of the people on body shaping.
0: No yeah.
1: way. Yeah. I mean, after the time, like, I had stopped watching. But, she yeah, she was, like, you know, like, doing the beauty pageant thing and ended up on body shaping. But it was, yeah. like, back then. You had like the wider book, you had the Arnie book, you had body shaping, and you had a uh, shoot, shoot, who's that dude? Was he Israeli Galad? Or Gil, Greek? Gil. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and in Hawaii, doing the class in Hawaii.
1: Yeah. And that was all you really had was yeah. for, for information because there yes. was, people forget, there was no YouTube. Yeah. Y- you know, you had the muscle magazines, but they were like, even then, you were like, everyone's on juice. I don't know how this relates to anything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> That's so, true. so it was such a different time. So like, that yeah. was a trend for me that I was like, you know, I wanted to get in shape and I think I bought one. I, I mean, I know I bought one. I, I don't think I used it much. Cause yeah. I found it frustrating where yeah. it ended up. It's probably my parents shed 20 years later,
0: <laughs> but I love it. Keep it. It's retro. But here's the thing, like with step. And, and I would tell you, like, if you can walk, which is, you know, bipedal and unilateral movement, you can do step. Mm-hmm. The videos that I post, those, the last one, if you saw, I posted a few days ago, is five blocks of 32. So we've been working on that at least two to three months. I usually start with two blocks of 32 and I start with a skeleton or a basic recipe and we kind of add flavor, a little sugar, a little salt. But most people, we get frustrated. It's like learning a new language. We get frustrated, so we quit. Instead of like, bye damn, I'm going to stay with this, and then next thing you know, they're something connects and they can move this and they can syncopate their movement and they can stand on a single leg a little longer. And it's like, I have truly found the neuroplasticity piece of teaching step to be one of the most amazing movement gifts that I have given myself by not quitting.
1: Yeah. I think that's a big thing, you know, in in original strength, that's a big part of what we do. And and obviously there's a, a, we don't really speak of it specifically within DVRT, yeah. But there's that element of the you know the axe patterns and using both ears yeah. and the, the hand eye coordination. It's a big part of original mm-hmm. strength, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's almost the shame that we start to appreciate that more as we're older than <laughs> earlier on, right? Yeah. Like you know, and, and but it's been cool lately. I've been having a lot of younger people come in to train with me, like in their late twenties, mid mid twenties to early thirties. And seeing those things where even when you, you're not banged up, they're not banged up the way we view being banged up. Yeah. They perceive themselves as being yeah. old and banged up already, but they don't have that extra 20 years of like, no, this is what it really starts to feel like <laughs> down the line. Right? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been interesting seeing that. And, and I think people are starting to get aware that they sh- you shouldn't be waiting until you're a little bit damaged for that stuff. You should be doing it yeah. now. I think that's And a it's, cool it thing. helps.
0: Well, it helps with like coaches like you that are regarded and have a hip factor and walk the top. What's
1: because, the hip factor? It's well, a Godzilla I mean, collection.
0: Yes, Godzilla. <laughs> but look at your arms. You got the ink. You got the great ink. That's the first thing I remember when I met you. I'm like, oh, he's ink is awesome. And mm-hmm. he is so inked up like Adam Levine, baby. Y'all oh, like my it.
1: God. <laughs> This podcast is over. <laughs> you
0: know, I'm just kidding because I knew that would land well with you.
1: I know, I know. I do have California tattooed across my stomach. Though. You
0: have New York,
1: <laughs> not yet. I do have Brooklyn though on my wrist. <laughs> there
0: you go. That's where Kim
1: and I have matching tattoos.
0: I love that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it takes a coach like that to kind of. And again, I'm gonna go back to the presentation part and skill of a coach. Like, you've gotta have a freaking personality. You gotta be able to engage. If you're this walking book of knowledge but you're boring, I'm gonna gouge my eyes out. I don't care what you have to say because it's relationships. So you have that ability to pull in, then you're getting these young people that like, are able and wanting to learn the information that you're teaching them that's so imperative, important to moving better and creating longevity and resilience in their body.
1: Well, you know. Thank you. I do think the missing element. It's funny. I, I I'm starting to write these uh little blogs uh once a month for original strength for the instructor team and the assistants about teaching courses and leading and how to set up. So it's like brass tacks, Some of the very checklisty stuff, and some of it's more about like actually like how do you approach presenting to a room of people. Mm-hmm. And it's the interesting thing that I find is, you know, we could use DVRT our, our leadership team as an example. Mm-hmm. There's be a lot of stress. And uh, reservations about teaching a workshop, which is basically a four-hour class
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you wouldn't have that same apprehension in front of a class, which I think mm-hmm. in some ways is actually more nerve-wracking teaching a class because it's a, uh, you're a little less fluid on it. Whereas mm-hmm. in a workshop, the room's going to bring a dynamic. It's a little bit more interesting and you have, a, I think, more power to guide it. At least here, my classes are programmed. So like, I don't have a, a ton of flexibility even with yeah. programming. So, uh, you know, I think that idea of, of having personality and making it an experience mm-hmm. that they remember, because no one's gonna remember all the curriculum that they go to in a mm-hmm. day. They're gonna remember if they made a friend, they're gonna remember if somebody, if it was fun, they're gonna remember if they laughed, and they're gonna remember like one to four things that they're gonna try. And then the rest of the curriculum's gonna drift off until mm-hmm. someone reminds them to look at the manual. Does that make yeah. sense?
0: Yeah, oh, totally, so I, I think you're right on.
1: I would say if I have any innate skill, I wouldn't even say it's as a coach, I would say it is potentially as a presenter. And I think that's where my filmmaking background helps. I think my, my production background helps. uh mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what it is because I'm never the smartest. I'm never the leanest. I'm never the strongest. uh, But I might be able to be the most engaging in the room in that context. Now, the flip side of that is is like you throw me in a party with people I don't know. And I'm like the wallflower. (laughs) I get so awkward um, Mm -hmm. that I can't talk to anybody. But I think that's a missing element. And, you know, I never want to show off because there's really nothing to show off. Mm -hmm. It's like if you were to take a course with me, like this could happen. You, you come and take original strength with me one day. Right. Which I would love. Doesn't mean that (coughs) I'm the better. It doesn't mean that I'm the the better coach in the room. You have 30 years experience and I have nine, but sometimes people go in and teaching courses sometimes. And they have that attitude of like, I'm the hotshot now Mm -hmm. I'm the superstar. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, I'm just sharing some stuff that's worked for me. Let's all like have an open mind and try it. Hopefully it helps your business. I think it will help your business in your training. But beyond that, Like you got to apply it. And, uh, you know, I want you to earn your initials. I want you to be proud of those, but like your initials don't, shouldn't define you. Right. Your results should define you, your character.
0: Yeah. No, but you're speaking all the things that are very important to me. And yeah, I have 30 years. I often think that like I wanted, I don't know if you saw my post, I showed a picture of Candace Copeland Brooks from when I was at BOSU. Okay. So in the fitness or in the group X world, aerobics world, she was literally like Madonna in the early
1: nineties. I did see it. I did see it.
0: Like, and I'm not kidding. You ask anybody that's been in aerobics or group fitness for any length of time since the late eighties through the nineties, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, Candace Copeland Brooks. So I took from her as a new person and I was envious and I always wanted to present, but I was into my eyeballs and boys and then had more boys, you know, and just felt like my calling was to focus raising my kids instead of trying to pursue that career. But I always thought I had it in me. And so here I am at this point in my life now with these doors opening. And I'm so grateful that it didn't happen when I was younger. Cause I really think I could have been a monster Steve. I think I could have been a little bit of a diva a little bit of an attitude going on you know and so and i never i never want to come across that way because i find it so off-putting and it's so common in our industry asshole bitch diva whatever usually it's an asshole so i'm i'm very sensitive to those things that you were saying so yeah i bring 30 years but dude like my dude stinks like everybody else's and i got shit to learn like i still want to learn And my favorite quote, I do some motivational speaking as well. And I end with, I think it's a Roosevelt quote. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And that's the experience piece. And that's making everyone feel comfortable in your presence in whatever way that is.
1: And and I wish everyone sort of could appreciate and approach everything they do with that idea versus feeling they have to without really understanding the end game. Yeah. Like I've been involved. Like a lot of people come up to me and, uh, you know, be like, "Hey, how do you? I, I want to teach courses. How do you do that?" <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, like I, I, I learned a lot. I assisted a lot. I spent a lot of money assisting courses, my own money, and uh, I just wanted to learn. It wasn't to teach courses initially. It was just mm-hmm. like I just want to get really good around a kettlebell yeah. an ultimate sandbag, crawling around the floor, which sounds weird. <laughs> yeah,
0: It's that ten thousand hour piece though? Right. Yeah, it really like is. Malcolm Gladwell talks about. It, it,
1: and the financial investment in it. And and what, you know, clearly it did. I can look back now and say, yeah, I I built somewhat a super low level reputation amongst a small population of like people into the same things Um, that, you know, I had a quality of service, right? Or or training ability. And certainly doing some heavy presses back in the day helped me get my name out there a little bit. And uh, I think I'm, I'm dumb enough and new enough in the field, that I couldn't develop an ego, yeah. so and, and I couldn't overcomplicate. So I think a lot of what I do is is very simplistic, because I don't think I think it's so easy to overcomplicate fitness. But in terms of that caring, I feel like you know, and this goes a little bit in what we were talking about social media, folks. I swear we're not going to get into another social media rant, but <laughs> I think we're putting out stuff. Whether it's this idea of wanting to teach courses, whether it's this idea of wanting to put out. You know, online programs, if it's this idea of social media and having trying to get a bunch of followers, where we don't really know why. And I know my why is mm-hmm. I want to do really well by the people I train, and I want people to come to my courses so that they can do well by the people they train. And there really isn't a, and of course, I want to get paid in the process because I have two kids of my own and a wife. Yeah. You know, it's my second wife. I don't want a third. I, want, I don't want Kim to leave me. That
0: shit gets expensive.
1: <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's how I'm viewing everything I do. I think I have, but I think I have gotten caught up as a rel- relatively newish trainer of, like, trying to follow the trends and how do I stay yeah. on top. And I think we are starting to find a definition of, like, you know what? Maybe semi-private is a really good model for certain situations. Personal training seems to be real alive and well, mm-hmm. I, I think in a way that most people don't. I think for pers- for the independent trainer or the trainer at a gym that could make, you know, lock in $80 an hour on a personal training, say, if the gym's taking a cut, or potentially make $100 an hour in a semi-private environment. But then, you know, you have that risk of only one person shows up or nobody shows up. Yeah. I think personal training sometimes can be a better guarantee, especially yeah. if you have like a good cancellation policy. I think some people need personal training yes. just based on their own you know, ability. And even if it's not a movement thing or a coordination thing, from an emotional accountability standpoint, they need one-on-one training. Mm-hmm. But then classes are fun. Like, yeah. you know, when I look at my class memberships, You know, I just, I I lost, I lost somebody. A friend of mine had signed up from a previous gym from MFF and she wanted to come here. And I was super excited for her to come here. And you know, it's a little bit of a trek, not a horrible trek, but enough of a trek. And she, Mm -hmm. you know, she reached out the first month, first month. And she's just like, look, with the trains, it just takes me longer to get to you than I thought. I'm like, of course, I totally get it. Like, am I bummed? I won't see you, but I'm not going to mourn the loss of the money. I want you to train. I want you to succeed. And if it's not working, we're not the place. Like go someplace that goes and proximity is a huge one. So, you know, I just think if we come at these things and make our decisions
0: Mm -hmm.
1: based on that idea of caring and then delivering, I think life becomes simpler. Maybe not Mm -hmm. more profitable at the out gate, but I think that will in turn help guide you to the right decisions, help guide you to the right marketing strategies, help guide you to the right results that Mm -hmm. will build a business versus focusing on solely building the business first. Yeah. And fitness has definitely become like this punch list of like, Newer trainers now, I'll say when I you know dealing strength faction and sometimes and people that come up with courses they're looking to build their Instagram following before they're looking to get years of experience or yeah this <laughs> weird idea that online coaching is this you know new gold rush of infinite income and that's I personally my experience with it is a lot of horseshit
0: you know well then you you have companies so going back to the corporate thing like Beachbody. Who put that whole online coaching and the tear effect out there that people assume you're going to make a lot of money there's always the flip side right I don't think there's any easy way to get to where you've gotten to where I've gotten I know it hasn't been easy for me it has taken perseverance perseverance time 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 perseverance and As Steve my husband has often said he's like well you're in an expensive hobby because (laughs) I'm an education whore. I love learning like two of my so even at this stage It's like I just want to keep learn like learning this year I decided two of my big pieces that I'm going to invest in one I'm working one-on-one with Mike Fitch the creator of animal flow because I I'm so excited because I want to fine tune my movement. I love more of the calisthenics. I'm moving better at 55 than I did at 45 because I'm learning to move well. And one of the reasons the one-on-one with him is because this makes me crazy. And I'm sure you'll notice this. Most of the things we're seeing out there, you've got 20-somethings or 30-somethings doing it where are the 55 year olds that still look amazing and move so well promoting a system to me that's showing shit works so you know what i mean it's like i feel like we are desperate to see good movers at an older age that doesn't mean you are hanging up your towel and i'm having to modify every single thing i do i may have to modify some but i can't do Tuck jumps, I still do them, but not like I used to because I pay for it in my low back because this low back has had a lot of work. The other thing that I'm investing in, which I can't wait, is I'm doing an intensive core dissection dig in four days with Jill Miller. So I think it's – do you is know who Jill
1: Miller is? that the one in Arizona? Are you going there with – is that the one? No, we're,
0: so I'm not doing anatomy trains, and she works closely with him. This okay. is her course on just the core, and it's four full days intensive. And I love her because she is to me one of the um, she's she goes travels all over the world to really learn about the fascia and and diaphragm diaphragmatic breathing which I'm super interested because in I'm uh, not, I'm a chest neck breather, I'm a recovering type A, so I'm learning to breathe better and use my pelvic floor. <laughs> so I just think it's, I think this is why we are, because we do care, like we care about our performance, we care about the product that we are giving to those that follow, because I do want people to learn, and I know the more that I know, the more I can pass along yeah. to those that are in my presence as a client, as a class participant, online, whatever.
1: And I, I don't want this to come across like I'm saying folks that you might not care because of, but I, I'm just saying like, let that be the guiding principle. Yeah. Like what, like, like, what do you, what do you care about? What are you into?
0: Yeah. Like,
1: If we joke about the Godzilla toys, like that's yeah. like a marketing gimmick, you know, like yeah. that just is what I'm into. Um. And the funny thing is that some people like everybody thinks it's kind of cute. Some people think it's like, what the fuck's wrong with that guy? And I guess, <laughs> you know, whatever personality sort of wins it. But when the people come over that are like in awe of it, it's like I found my tribe, right? Yeah, and it's just yeah. like this thing where I, I don't want like a thousand people. I want like a hundred yeah. that like, you know, not only give a shit about me and themselves, but also about the other 99 people that might be within our.
0: Can you imagine Steve? And and I do wonder, I was talking to my husband about this the other day too. It's like, I just turned 55. And like I was telling you before we went live, it's like, I am fucking tired. I am so like, I raising three boys as well. And as young adult men and older teenagers, to me, it's harder parenting than they were young. It's like they some of their choices has made have made me very, very tired. And can you imagine if we all had more of that attitude though? Like, I don't care about the thousand people. Like, if you're not like I want heart, I want to go deep. I want to get real. I don't have time for bullshit. I'm not interested in bullshit. Like I can bullshit with the best of them, but I don't crave that. Like I want real, like I don't have much longer on earth, even with the, you know, the projected average.
1: Yeah. I
0: I want to leave impact. I want to have real rich conversations. And I want people to honestly feel like I care about what I'm doing instead of just doing it because it puts me on a stage somewhere, which, you know, a lot of people are doing it for that. Re- okay, you know, maybe they're just not there yet.
1: Yeah, and you know, the reality is, and, and you know this, is there's, there's moments too, like I love teaching, you know? Like I love mm-hmm. teaching, mm-hmm. I love teaching courses. I love that weird moment, right? When it goes from like you've said hi to everybody and you start five minutes late because a couple of people are late and it's like mm-hmm. suddenly that switch happens in the room where it's like, okay, this is a little awkward, but now we're on. Yeah. Right. And just seeing the eyebrows raise is like aha's happened. Or I actually like it sometimes when you're challenged by a question and allows you to like respond in a way you haven't responded before. There's that thing when it's like the manual becomes your own versus trying to recite. Say for us, Josh Hinkin yes. on something, and uh, you know I love that stuff. But what I don't think people see is like you know the. Four hour drive to Massachusetts to teach at a course with people that I don't know. And I'm excited to yeah. meet them, but like, I don't, you know, I don't know anybody. And then I'm gonna mm-hmm. teach and uh, be really tired because I woke up at like 3 a.m. so I could drive there to teach. I'm gonna spend the night so I can see some friends, but I'm gonna spend money to be there as mm-hmm. opposed to driving right home exhausted. But then I get up at five in the morning and I drive home. Like, that part isn't sexy. Like, getting yeah. to Taiwan <laughs> is it, like this, this last bit in Taiwan. Getting to teach in Taiwan was like a dream come true. Uh, I got to do it twice the l- last year, uh, but within like six weeks of each other, twice. Actually, it was less than that. It was like four weeks of each other. Oh my gosh! But I like you know I'm the guy who likes to teach enough and challenge myself within the travel, kind of like Henry Rollins, where like you know I fly out. I don't know what did I fly out on like 12 a.m. in <sighs> the morning to teach Wednesday, Thursday to fly back Friday. Like, so I'm literally on the ground, maybe like 36 hours more than I am in the air. And people don't realize what that does where like three days later, you know, the day after Christmas, like your shoulder, you get a tweak in your shoulder just because you know what you spent 46 hours sitting in a five day period Uh and then demoing in between. Like Uh that part of it, like I'm not (laughs) complaining, you know, like it's like, it's like we all choose these things to deal with, with what we do, you Mm -hmm. know, a steady income i probably would have gone back to school for like accounting or something um like fitness has been way more random income than i ever expected like you know in terms of in terms of making it yeah my the image of all the group photos makes it look like financially i'm way doing way better than i am i'd say this year my best <laughs> year ever but i'd say that probably would have been the equivalent of spending seven years working at mcdonald's or at the gas like i'm not loaded by any means but uh but i love it you know yeah. and and I have more time now, I think with all of that, you know, trying to follow, I don't want to say follow your bliss, that sounds very woo woo, but like,
0: yeah,
1: I'm learning to allow myself to let certain things go like social media posts, Mm -hmm. um, like potentially chasing money by running into the city to go do a session, which means I'm going to be commuting two hours for one hour. So whatever my rate is, cut that in thirds. Yep. Um, I'm learning to embrace that. If I've started my day at 6 a.m. and I'm ending it at 9 p.m., I can watch a movie and, and take a nap and not feel like a lazy ass. Yeah. In the, middle of the day flip side of that. I'm starting to treat this more like a job in one way as well. We're like, you know what? If I'm not working out, because this is the thing trainers myself in- included struggle with. We're too tired to work out for ourselves. Well, you know what? Like if I'm not working out, I'm not <laughs> You know, I can't keep using that as an excuse. I got to get my nutrition in line on that. Um, But like having those decisions where trying to treat this like a business, a business potentially with more heart than a lot of businesses and potentially a lot longer random hours and random incomes, but how to make that work around your life. right? When you say you're tired, like I've gone in and out of that, like where I'm like, fuck, like I'm just exhausted. Mm -hmm. But the problem is I think a lot of us grind ourselves out not making a change to adjust like, okay, so this is what my life schedule looks like. <clears throat> this is the money that I need. These are where things are great. These are things that could be better. And these are the things that need to change for me to be happy. And we tend to focus on the money and not change those things because it has an impact. And I'm not saying folks like we all have bills to pay. Trust me, I have child support that. yeah. I had the, the the probably the last year as an independent because that's when I sort of fully went fury industries it was probably my lowest year income since I started because I basically went into business for myself right mm-hmm. totally expected that but you know I still made those decisions for myself and I was still able to pay my child support without knocking the child support down because my income went down Right. So I just think some of us don't realize how much flexibility we have to make a better life Mm -hmm. and a better work life. And I know through Strength Faction, dealing with other coaches and business owners, like the business tends to run all of us. Very few of us running the business.
0: Right. And it does come down to choices. And again, I'm 55. I'm just still getting this. And I will say, had I not been married this whole time, I wouldn't have, like, it would, it's, been a luxury for me because it's allowed me more mental space. All the burden is not on me. So I need to, you know, make that clear. My husband makes that reminds me of that often,
1: (laughs) but you know, agreed, agreed, agreed.
0: You know what? It's true. And, but one thing that happened because of our steadfastness and, and your, I I know this is true for you with your integrity and your work, An opportunity opened up, which involves our dear buddy Ridge. Um, I brought brought him into the mix, but it literally fell out of the sky, Steve. And my friend that kind of provided, she's like, Well, it did. You kind of worked hard. But so I'm working for this ginormous tech company, this contract gig for 11 months, which provided an income that my husband always made, which allowed him to step back and freelance and then because that changed my time i thought you know i'm a master trainer for TRX too i was teaching like two courses every weekend and you just mentioned that when we teach courses i feel like a semi ran over me about the next day or the day after because you give 180% it's a long day i've done that like i've driven to vancouver canada gotten up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. to drive, teach nine hours, and then come back, and I give everything I have, and at some point, so I'm doing this contract gig, which is Monday through Friday, now I'm commuting into the city like everybody else, getting all jacked up over traffic, because I'm an East Coast driver, and people here drive (laughs) like, shit, oh my gosh, you would be just, you would be so sad, because they take the left lane, they drive slow, anywho, I thought I don't need to teach as many courses. Why am I putting the pressure? Because I love it, but it, there's a flip side to all of these choices, right? Am I practicing what I would tell my clients who are in this now changed life phase? Am I applying what I, the information, the yeah. guidance that I give them? Am I keeping my nutrition on point, like all of those things? So I really upped my nutrition game, like I'm more plant based now to try to offset some of the energy that's getting pulled from me. And then like the tired part too is when you're a parent, some of that tired is not uh, by choice. You know, when kids make shitty decisions and it fucks with you and keeps you up at night and stresses your shit out, like yeah. that's out of my hands, but it's affecting my life. And that's just one piece, you know, but I do, I think teaching's a calling and I, I would agree with that. So I love it so much. Just I wanted to be a teacher when I was since I was a little girl. I just thought it'd be in the classroom.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting you say that. Like so, when I was in high school, you know, I, I think I joked about this on another episode. Like recently, we cleared out Kim and I and the kids cleared out most of the shed at my mom's house, my folks' oh. house, and I found an old report card. And I knew I was a classic underachiever, but this thing was like, I don't know how I got a degree. <laughs> it <Like, laughs> was so fucking bad. Like, I don't. What grade was it? Uh, I don't even remember offhand. Okay. All I it was like it was like tenth grade. Like it was pretty okay. far up there. But it was like just really, really horrible. But uh, you know, but then I did very well. Uh, you know, I had to do the extended college route, of community college, and yeah. but once I got into community college, like a switch went off, and I started yeah. getting four point And um, but it, it's if somebody asked me what did what did I want to do after you know in senior year, what did you want to do? And and there's a few things that I had in my head. One was which was weird as a punk rock skateboarder was to become a police officer. Huh? In, in my head, every time one of those, you'd get the word that a cop test was going to come around. I would think about it, but then I would be like, you know, I don't know if I can handle seeing and dealing with these situations. Like police do not have it, you know, easy at all. And, uh, you know, clearly there's, we're, we're finding a lot about the police yeah. lately, but there are, I know a lot of great <coughs> officers that are, you know, it's a lot you have to deal with. You're seeing basically a lot of the worst all the time, right? So I didn't want that. Yeah. Part of me was also like, I don't want to be on my feet that much. <laughs> 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 Which is I'm, now I'm a trainer. I'm probably on my feet more. Uh, yes. uh, and then there was a moment where I said, you know what? Maybe I could make movies and like go to NYU, right? Which wasn't even like, it was, it was just because I like movies. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. even thinking that that was a possibility. But I was like, I'll pro- I don't even think I said movies. My, in my head, I said, I'm going to go to like, I'm going to go to NYU and listen to hardcore music. That's actually was, it wasn't even movies yet. (laughs) And then the third one was like, maybe I'll become a teacher. Right. Mm. And who the fuck knew so many years later? Well, five years after three years after saying that I ended up in NYU living at a dorm overlooking Washington Square Park. And the first CD I put in was a Gorilla Biscuit CD. And I was listening to New York hardcore music at the NYU dorm going for film. You know?
0: That is super cool. And
1: uh, I should take a moment. Uh, rest in peace, Alex Brown from Gorilla Biscuits, who passed away suddenly last week. Uh, I did not know him, but we have a lot of mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then inevitably, you know, the idea of me being a fitness person is just laughable. Like, you know, the coach, listeners, my nickname is actually Bald Fury. Somebody gave it to me (laughs) after I drew my top. So it's literally tattooed on my back, Bald Fury. The coach only came about when I was going to become a trainer. I thought it was funny because I have never been coached. I have never been in a team sport. I'm a (laughs) fucking skateboard BMX kid, like mostly skateboarder. Yeah. So it just seemed funny to me. And now it's something that I've actually embraced and clearly more people know me as, as coach fury. And you wear it so well. Well, I'm bald. So of course, (laughs) and I I have a temper, so it works out really well. It's a fitting nickname, but it's just one of those things. I never thought and more and more now when, you know, I write a bio for a blog or, um, there's going to be something I can't talk about now coming out in a couple of weeks You know, it's like, I'm I'm like a fitness educator now, which is so weird, you know, again, not necessarily creating my own systems. I've done some of my own workshops now, but I'm an educator, like, and I'm really taking that as even within my students, I'm a teacher. And I know within some of the kettlebell worlds, there's like this whole like dogma of their students and not clients. And I'm like, you know what, like, I get it. And I appreciate it. But at the same point, if I go, if I had hair and went to the salon, I wouldn't want my hairstylist to call me a student. I would want to be, I want to be the per the, the friend getting their hair cut. Like I'm not over, I don't get too caught up on words like that. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. So we talked about like sort of like the negative shift you saw in terms of the corporate, you know, and losing some of the creativity in the artist. What's something positive that you've seen coming up in uh, in recent years? Because I think there is a, it's, it's an interesting time with the internet, with social media, with I think big gyms are learning a lot from better boutique gyms, Mm -hmm. but I also don't know how well overall – I think there's some stellar boutique gyms, like smaller studios, but I I don't know how well overall that's working out for people. Um, What do you see as, like, a good trend that's happening?
0: One, the quality of education, I Mm. think, has, and the access to it, I think has really – and I often wonder, like, is it just me because these are my interests and where I'm kind of leaning into? Or are there actually more opportunities to learn high-level movement education? So I, I think that's been a big part because people have higher expectations because of the, I think because of the Wi-Fi and the Internet and this and that. I remember back in, again, so I've always kind of been interested in out of the box movement that wasn't part of the masses. I just kind of like being an outlier with everything. that I Come to find out, but Paul Chek in the late '90s and Juan Carlos Santana. Do you know who he is, Juan Carlos Santana? I've, I've heard yeah. the
1: name. I haven't down in Florida. Florida.
0: And then Mike Boyle, who everybody knows who Mike Boyle is. But no, not many people had heard of these guys. These were the late nineties and I was living in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. And they had come and done workout and it blew my mind away. What they were doing with load and movement seemed to make sense. And I remember and at that time, again, people were like, Oh, it's specificity. You only do bicep curls. You don't do other movement without bicep. Like that was a thing. And I remember Juan Carlos Santana saying, and this stuck with me, he's like, when he designs programming or exercises using unstable surfaces or stable uh, load, it was like, I watched my mom, who I think they were like five kids or something, or I watched my wife, they had five kids, how she gets laundry out of the dryer and carries it to the bed or how she pulls it out of the wash and puts it into it. Like, I watched that kind of movement. And that's when functional training, that became a buzzword, was just like in its infancy. And Mike Boyle talking about intrinsic strength and instability—this were these were all new concepts that I was like, "This is so amazing! It makes sense." And then to watch where it's gone now, you know, it's very more commonplace. So I think that's been a the expectations, the quality. Uh, has really become such a wonderful thing. I think, do you notice that? I mean, yeah, do you I, see that? I, I
1: I think in a big way. And, you know, I think part of it's great and I think part of it is uh, potentially a little bit of the negative side of the social media stuff and, and, and the self-branding, right? Yeah. Where, you know, I'll say this from the kettlebell perspective, right? So as a master RKC, at the time that I got in, which is almost uh, nine years ago, I've been using kettlebells nine years. Yeah, wow. And, and so there were like a few videos of like quality stuff, but not a lot. So you mm-hmm. had to go to the course to really, I think, learn how to get a really good kettle, hard style of kettlebell swing. Or
0: buy the DVD.
1: Or buy the DVD, but I'm, a, I'm not a good learner that way. Yeah. So for me, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, it took me, I will openly admit, it, it probably took me four and a half, five years as a trainer to be able to read movement in a book and, and actually visualize what that actually means. Like I need to, I, I am one of those, I need to see it. I need to see it done wrong. I need to see it done right both, and, and be told what I'm doing wrong yeah. or right. And uh, you know, so I thought that was super important. And as you know, the RKC used to be a three-day course and now it's a two-day course. And, and people were, you know, the, you know, some of the team were like very upset, like we're losing these standards. And I was like, guys, like our stuff is super important. But it's not as like precious as it used to be, because a lot of people have gone through these certs now. A lot of people have done in-services and shared. People can talk to their friends and learn how to do a really good kettlebell swing. The thing they're coming for now mostly is to sharpen it up and to get coaching mm-hmm. maybe for the initials. So I'm not saying it's not important. I think it's super important. If you have kettlebells at your gym and that's part of your implements, you should go to a hard-style kettlebell certification, even if it's just the HKC. Uh, or do you want, you know, the RKC or Strong First? RKC, that plug, selfish selfish plug.
0: Um, <laughs> RKC! But,
1: but you should have that. But this idea that, like, it has to be elite level or super precious, like, the information's out there, and I think that is a good thing. Like, I'll say this, and I, so uh, this was actually a good one. We Josh Hank from DVRT, he came out as a master RKC. I was a senior. We taught in New York together. And there's a day we, we would bring in volunteers when it was a three day course. And I brought a bunch of the ninjas from uh Mark Fisher Fitness. Thanks. You know, like what they do really well at Mark Fisher Fitness, teach kettlebells. Most of them are in RKCs or SFGs at the time. But we all knew because they had access to me, they had access to people that had it, they had access to Dan John, like <coughs> fucking knew how to teach a swing. So I think that's, like, one of those great things that it can help out. But I do think sometimes being able to perform a technique and coach it are very different. Oh, yeah. I I think that's where education still has its thing. But this, like, secrecy and preciousness, I think we all have to get over ourselves a little bit. The other thing is, like, you know, if you're an enthusiast, I know when I would look up, when I would try to find something on Indian clubs back in the day.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: TRX was pretty good in the beginning. But, like, Josh Henkin, like, when you started looking up DVR, well, it was Lyft at the time, Ultimate Sandbag Mm -hmm. stuff was probably the only one out there that had like a full consistent quality education library mm-hmm. the trick now is in my opinion not to offend anybody there's too much information to know what's good what's bad yep. there's no it's a really hard way to even know what's um what's the starting point
0: it's confusing.
1: It, it really is. And I think that's, that's a little bit too much. And that's where I like, you know, for my online coaching program, like I provide a program and I can, you know, s- specify one version of something for somebody to build upon knowing it's going to go here versus somebody just tries to get a workout and goes on YouTube and picks up some random workout and then they have no idea if they're ready for it. So I do think education is great. I, I, and I'm too new to know this. I don't know if the importance of the initials and having mm. a, like all, you know, like Pokemon, got to get them all, all yeah. the initials, was that always there or is that something that's growing with all of these other options that are out there now, do you think?
0: I, well, so when I first started as great fitness, I had to, you had to have, back then it was just alpha or ace and ACSM, and of course I went ACSM because I wanted to do outlier because everybody's doing ace and apple, and So you had to have, but we didn't have all those options, if you will. That's all kind of happened as people have designed their own certification that you can now add all these letters after your name. And it's interesting because I know you have experienced this again, in any industry, just because you have a shit ton train of letters after your name, Doesn't always mean that you know what you're talking about, that you can move well. I can't tell you how many people have a list of letters behind them. And I'll be teaching a course. This took me years, like, see, I start getting frustrated. This took me years to just realize that, oh, I've got to resign. When I first started teaching TRX courses, I'm assuming that people understand how to move in their body. And they're trainers and coaches that were, that people are paying to learn from. And uh, Chris Frankel, love him. Oh, my gosh. Do you know Chris?
1: Yeah, he, I haven't talked to him in forever, but i uh, did some stuff with Josh that Chris has been a part uh, of.
0: he's so funny. I love him. He's very irreverent. He's my kind of guy. But anyway, he calls them motor morons, that yeah. people are just so disconnected. And then I taught another course, and I'd be, you know, trying to correct posture or coach cues around how to engage oblivious. And then I did another. One. Finally I realized 5 years in it's like this is the norm people you can have CSCS after your name and think you're all that with strength and conditioning and they can't they don't know how to use their body most efficiently to high performance. So, very, you know, very like, true. You know they you have all these letters behind and I think the head knowledge is great but it just it doesn't stop there. You've got to be able to apply it. You've got to be I'm a big why person. Why? How does that help you? How's that going to help you move better? What's the why behind the cross, you know, the X pattern, you know, and which I know what the why is, but so confusing out there. Somebody goes to the internet trying to find what to do, they don't know the whys or who's doing this or in that or if, if people are even moving well in it.
1: Well, I think it's interesting that. We're- I, coming up the way that I came up, so I came up through a gym late in life, Mm -hmm. late-ish in life, and, you know, went through the kettlebell and things around kettlebell culture. So Indian clubs, TRX, you know, I I was just taking those, excuse me, early courses just to learn how to use it for myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know for me it was kind of eye-opening, A, what a full-body workout is, because I was bodybuilding without realizing it. Yeah, yeah that there are implements and systems and ideologies that can promote this where you can get really good results, move better, feel more powerful, feel stronger in way less time. Like, and I don't mean magic bullet time, but like I was spending an hour and a half weightlifting and (laughs) suddenly I found kettlebells, right? Uh, (laughs) Found kettlebells and sandbags and TRX and like literally like 30 to 45 minutes a day and you're fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was really eye opening. And then when I started like, taking courses I remember my TRX course so like it's the second thing I ever took I took it somewhere in Long Island the woman was super nice um, it was definitely it was the group fitness one oh. and I remember thinking okay there's some real strong men and women here and then there's a lot of fitness professionals I was like one of like three non-fitness professionals in like a pretty crowded room and the, the, everybody else was like a lot of these people are like weaker than me And there was this opportunity at the end to like, you know, do a boat like you had to design a workout, like Mm -hmm. design a workout, and then we did one of them. And then there was an opportunity where like, if anybody wants to do another workout, we can do it. And I was like one of like I don't know seven out of twenty three people that decided to do the second workout. Now, mind you, I didn't know as much now, but it was like guys like like hands on application. Like if my form's off, I want to know now Mm -hmm. because I you know this is the only way I'm going to learn. Yeah. And then when I started assisting at courses is when I started really realizing that, I remember at one of these first HKCs I did, there was a a few gentlemen that had been personal trainers for 15, 20 years that didn't know how to squat because they had basically been bodybuilding so much. They had worn out their knees. They had tight hips. They had tight backs. They had tight shoulders, tight shoulders. And they couldn't do like, you know, like a proper, not even close to parallel, 35-pound 16K goblet squat. Which in turn, you know, got better and better. So it's like one of those things that's like, oh, that's a buy-in for going to a cert and having an implement that helps promote that, you know, in a, in a mm-hmm. system. And it was also the time that I started and I was telling the story to somebody uh, yesterday. You know, there was this dude who had shoulders. He was a gym owner in New York. He had shoulders the size of my head. Dude, <laughs> jacked. This is literally the first RKC I'm assisting. Oh, no, sorry. This is like the second RK, uh, HKC I'm assisting. And, you know, he's struggling to press like a 44-pound kettlebell and, you know, 20K. And then Phil Scurrito was the leader on this one. And, you know, Phil asked me to demo something on the press. And I'm just, you know, 20K for me at that point was not heavy at all. And here's my middle, like almost middle age ass repping that 20. Like, (laughs) you know, I could have, you know, probably could have done like 20 reps with it. But my shoulders don't look like this, dude. Um, And even at this time, I'm in my, my mid late thirties where this cat was in, you know, probably his like early thirties, you know, maybe late twenties. And it's just that I, that thing where there's experience and time in, and then there's like the actual intent of caring to get better, wanting to help on a different level versus like some, some of us get real comfortable where we're at. Mm-hmm. and I know, you know, like, look, most of my programming is centered around the things they teach for. I happen to be very lucky that like, I have, a, like, yourself several groups that I'm a part of that I believe in, but they mm-hmm. offer me a lot of possibility and they okay. cover a lot of ground. I still want to learn and fill in blanks where I can. Mm-hmm. I really, like, trying to get better. I'm trying to get better just at the presenting part. So it's like, you know, every time I teach, I try to see, like, what could I have done better? Yeah. You know, this time, how do I make that clearer? This podcast has helped a lot. But I think a lot of us, like, I think there's, it's almost like what you brought about the corporatized, corporatization, simplification of things. I think there's trainers that don't know how to get better other than going to courses, but not necessarily knowing that, like, taking the time to invest in what they learn.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I think there's people that just get like, fuck it, like, I don't need that. And I think that's like the shittiest, most non-thrilling part. That's like, I want to make movies, but I don't need to see movies because I've seen enough movies. Yeah. I don't that either.
0: Well, I think a big e- uh, ego can play into that. I really have learned, like I, like I mentioned, had I come into the doors that have opened up for me at a younger age, because I looked at the part, I really think my ego would have prevented a lot of connection with people. So I, I, that's, I see a lot of that. I think it really takes some humility to, to be able to understand some of the stuff that you're talking about and have the heart of a student and realize, like, I'm gonna fuck up. Like, because one, I'm breathing, so I'm gonna fuck up. If I'm putting myself on stage as an educator for whatever it is, I'm gonna fuck up there. I need to own it. And how can I get better at it? I think it's so important for those of us as educators to be students, go take other classes, like, take other classes, be the new person in the room. So that it gives you more empathy as an educator to other people in your room, like that was big for me. Cause I was a ball busting <laughs> type of coach trainer. And then I was like, Oh hell, I don't know if I can do my own workout. I just probably, can't. you know what I mean? And then like, Public speaking. I, that's the other thing that I want to add to my list. I want to take a public speaking class to help me because I'm so ADD. I'm all over the place, which works when I'm teaching seminars. But I'd like to, because people have a great time, but I'd like to be able to hone some of that in. And it maybe be a little polished around the edges because I'm not very polished, as you can probably imagine. So that, I think there are a lot of things that we can do as educators to kind of to. Tune our craft, if you will, to just continue to be better. But it takes it wanting to be a student,
1: man. Yeah, I also think you know, in terms of this education and being a student, I think we we're we're in a weird point, probably for the first time, that you know, things like NASM and ACE and CSCS are so highly regarded, especially NAS. I mean, sorry for all the ACE folks. I'm an ACE guy. Uh, I literally just took my national cert because it was a gym requirement. Right? (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I took two practice tests, failed them, and then passed that like I didn't study um, because you know what? I don't need anything in is tips on aquatic classroom training. It's never gonna happen. So yeah, yeah. it's but not your thing. The things that I'm into, I'm diving into, right? Yeah. But I think now if we could somehow on a, on a national level, take things like Boyle's CFSC, if we could take something like DVRT or the RKC or mm-hmm. OS, or I gotta tell you for new coaches, and this isn't like because I'm a mentor in strength action, Strength Faction as a four-month online education thing for business owners and trainers of all levels mm-hmm. is the most valuable practical information you're ever going to get because it's going to cover every aspect of what it is to be in this career, not just a trainer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just how like we talked about if we only knew now what we knew yeah. then in terms of like our own training ideologies. Mm-hmm. Imagine knowing like how to avoid burnout, how to set up a little better workflow, how to know when like, you know what, these two years you're going to fucking have to work all the hours because that's just part of it is, but know that yeah. that's not everything. I, I just want to see different groups get more respect because it's more practical. So yeah, I just think that there's, there's avenues to really, for the first time, view this as a field as opposed to uh, these demands, like, you know, I don't want to diss anybody that's gone to college, but you know, all I keep hearing from is people that it's like, it just doesn't apply. You know, the day in, the day in, you learn all this information that just doesn't apply. And I will say somebody that's, again, I'm going to, I don't say this to be like uh, cute about myself. Like, I'm just not that bright. This is my second career. I've got so much to learn um, and get more in depth on is, you know, the day-to-day hourly coaching classes, whatever does, it, it can be so simple yet we're trying so hard in one way to prove our worth by making it complicated or impressing others by making it sound complicated. And it's really not. I mean, you know, when people ask about programming, it's like, well, think about like, it literally I do that. I think Steve De- De- Tommaso, a uh, fellow DVRT master instructor, I think is the one who put this in his, one of the DVRT presentations at, at a summit, you know, just that idea. And Dan John does it too. the quartering of mm-hmm. the body. So here's your upper front, upper back, lower front, lower back don't program all of the one thing unless you have a very specific reason for it. Right. So like, yeah. so if I have those four items and then, you know, I start thinking about my breathing work and I know mm-hmm. for me, I'm always putting in something contralateral or midline crossing, you know, the, 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 the X patterning stuff, like it becomes really easy. Like, so I'm not going to have somebody do kettlebell swings, deadlift, bent over rows right back to back to back because you know what, it's all the hinge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but again it's sometimes it's the preciousness sometimes it's ego we want to make it sound like it's so major and there's this reality that you myself and two other you know coaches one with three years experience one with 50 years experience right we could all spend like a month with somebody and probably get very similar results doing things very differently as long as those things aren't like reckless Mm-hmm. But we get caught in the minutia sometimes, versus like the process of like long term results. And I just feel like both as a as training people in classes one on one semi private, or running a business and growing a business, I think we just have to think of that in smaller progressions versus the big item. And I think we finally have systems like like Josh's stuff, like mm-hmm. FFC, like Shrink Faction, that really show us the way to do that. Mm
0: -hmm. And then that stuff like with what we know with DVRT, that can apply to so many other modalities. Once you get those principles of how the body works.
1: Yeah, it's just, it becomes like, you know, that's one of the other things. It's like when, 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 I guess in one way, I'm good that I'm proof that like, yes, Aside from just what Josh does with kettlebells and TRX is like, you know, between the RKC and DVRT and original strength and the stuff that I program for strength Faction, like it all makes sense because it's, it, it all builds upon each other or supports each other and force, reinforces. Yeah. And I think we get so caught up in dogma sometimes with those initials that we start to think this one's better than the other. It's how you apply it, right? Like you can have all the good info and then just be a shitty coach. Like,
0: well, that's been my experience. (laughs) I mean, you know, I I will never forget there was someone I highly, highly regarded back in the late '90s. Really made a a name for himself. He was doing stuff very progressive around gut health and nutrition, as well as functional load and training and movement. He was the biggest asshole like such an asshole. I'm like, fuck you, you're not the only one with that. I never went to another one of his things again. He went on to have his own education system, his own certification system. I think now he's simmered down a little bit. He's kind of woo-woo, but it's like, it doesn't need to be like, why, why?
1: Wow. i'm gonna ask you that person's name off the record
0: okay. <laughs> i'll be sick. happy to tell you the last name has four letters in it so it is the first name and i've already mentioned his name
1: oh my gosh okay, <laughs> Since we did- okay. It out. we're gonna leave it at that though <laughs> that's awesome i think i know who it is um, well let's be honest like i know that i've had um you know, one of the interesting things in the kettlebell world is like, even when people assist, this is before I was ever, you know, leading courses is, you know, people, you start to through social media and blogs at the, at the, at the start of my career is way more via like probably writing articles and blogs and, and, and forums than social media itself, like Facebook for the sake of Facebook. But, you know, you do hear when like somebody's like, Oh, I was really excited to meet somebody and then they suck. Right. It's mm-hmm. like meeting like a celebrity. Like you're, you're always that yes. moment, like, you know, and I don't mean that we're celebrities, but there's that moment of like, oh man, like I've been reading your stuff and I hope you deliver. And I know I take that. It's, there was somebody at the DVRT workshop in um, uh, Southeast in Massachusetts that I taught two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. And, you know, he, they introduced themselves as like, oh, I watch your videos. And I'm like, that is so sweet. And also I find it creepy only that I forget that I have all these videos out, you know, that are beneficial. Like I try to really make sure when I post something yeah. It solves a problem that i'm posting yeah. less, less if it's a video of me working out it's because i'm working out something to show progress later versus like here's another workout um, i've
0: seen you in that song steve do i have
1: workout. not worn a thong <laughs> i have been in very short shorts <laughs> Funny, though, (laughs) I got to get Kyle Langworthy from MFF on the podcast. (laughs) MFF, a lot of the coaches, the dudes in particular, would train in their underwear, and I'd be like, I'm never training my underwear. And Kyle Langworthy, (laughs) one day, was like, you're going to train in your underwear because we don't have showers here, and you're not going to want to, like, sweat through another pair of shorts. And – I will have to admit, years later now, and I haven't even been a staff member at MFF for two years. I train in my underwear at home because it's just more comfortable. And sometimes I shoot a video because I'm like, you know, messing around with Indian clubs or trying yeah. something, like the ultimate sandbag. And I'll have to show Kim, like, Kim, can I share this? Because I'm in my underwear. You know, I'm wearing a shirt and stuff. And it's just like, however, the light might be hitting my junk. Nope. <laughs> it all comes down to definition. So.
0: Result? yeah why won't this grow
1: why are my arms growing but this isn't growing but I think it's you know it's we forget that that's out there and that there's to be respectful that people like are watching us and hearing us more than just like an anonymous like or follow yeah Um, oh
0: it's true I you know, and the cool thing about that is like, I've had people show up in my class, they follow me on Instagram and they happen to be traveling to Seattle. That's a super cool thing. Yeah. It's, and, 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 uh, you know, I think that's super cool, but I, I do take very seriously what I put out. You know, I, I decided when I opened Instagram, I have a love hate relationship with it. I think it's bullshit, but when you're self-employed and you're branding, it's kind of part, a necessary evil. So I made a commitment when I Started doing Instagram specifically. That I love my dogs, they're part of me. I'm a big bully advocate, like, I'm a dog snob. If you had a golden retriever, Steve, I'd probably be like, Ooh. but <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I'm a dog, I'm a big bully advocate, so you'll always see my dogs because that's part of who I am. I'm almost 27 years sober, that's really important to me and part of the big picture of what I present in my educational life so that'll be a part of me and you're not going to see a booty pose you won't see me looking over my shoulder cocking up my ass, or in the mirror i mean i just thought you know i can't like there's just some sort of disconnect in what i'm trying to promote and what i'm trying to visually and I'm very curvy. i got these big boobs. i got this big ass. So I want to, like, I can't hide it, but it's, I'm also not going to be like, hold
1: up. it's not manipulative. I love that you said that. So I'm going to be honest. and I didn't realize I was doing this. So I've been playing with this idea, and I think I'm going to do it as part of this whole social media experiment of, like, finding uh, folks, like I have mentioned this. If you look up on Instagram, hashtag fitness inspiration, you're going to get a lot of, like, just photo-touched. Soft porn, basically soft <laughs> type types. Right? So oh what God. I'm thinking doing, I got to see if I can commit to this. Is basically recreating with my clothes on in whatever environment it is. <laughs> so to be like fitness inspiration influencer, Instagram influencer posing in a real life situation with me. I love
0: that. You have to do that.
1: <laughs> so it's like on the. So this is the funny part. I'm on the subway going into a session in the city today. So I I get a signal and I start looking up influencer, hashtag influencer, you know, on the search on Instagram and I'm like, okay, there's a woman drinking coffee, pulling her hair in a really weird thing. And I'm clicking all these poses, trying to see like, who's got like a million likes. I want to, I want this to be like a million follows Uh And I start copying. And then I'm like, Oh, there's people next to me. And I'm like looking at all these bikini shots and stuff on the train, (laughs) But, but I'm literally trying to find the person, the name, and then how many people follow them. So I got busted, but yeah, that is something. You know, the other weird thing that I've noticed, and, and my my friend Matt, you know, posted this well, is like this idea of, um, uh, shit, what was the phrase? There's a lot of people posting Photoshop professionally shot photos, or intended photos of themselves.
0: I can hear you. I've got to get this from... Rex is ripping up something.
1: Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> po- Did you say sorry? It? Rex is
0: like shredding. Oh, okay. They're
1: but posting. The, 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 I've noticed a trend of these, like, um, uh, you know, very well done, pretty looking people with these vulnerable posts. And on one end, there's an ass shot, and on another end, there's like this, you know, touching story. Yeah. and I'm I'm having a hard time finding like the val- the how do how I validate that
0: mm-hmm. as a
1: sales tactic and 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 an honest story because I do mm-hmm. believe that the story is honest, mm-hmm. I, but my friend Matt Wilson, who's also been on the show, you know, apparently that's like an age thing. Like that's something that men and women mm-hmm. coming up, they just don't know any different. Like that's actually become a valid form of expression for them. That I have a hard time contemplating so i'm realizing at 46 that i might not be the most ideal person to like even think about how to, to discuss certain things like that yeah and it's one thing if it's a, something about body shaming or how we used to feel that i understand some of these yeah. are like a random empowerment thing that happens to be like a, a fucking thong shot and it's not no. that wrong
0: i am, okay now i've got to let him out pee one second <laughs> There is, is, she's got a ton of followers. Her body is absolutely stunning. She's a yoga instructor, and she posts a lot about that, and she posts the counter to people um, talking negative about her showing her ass, and her ass is, like, perfect. It's just perfect. She's an itty-bitty thing. And it is a weird, like, I love that she's comfortable, and... And self-expression, and there should not be any shame in any of this, but I feel like we there should be a responsibility as well as what we're communicating. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I just trust this, and this always feels icky with some of those things. And then the flip, it makes me sad that that age group, thinks that's normal like there's like this compass off in their
1: awareness
0: or sensitivity or
1: and i certainly don't want to come across like i'm shaming it but it definitely seems like it's becoming a potential sales angle or following builder than like yeah a hundred percent like if we talk about like the intent behind the purpose of the message yeah
0: Yeah. going back to that full circle yeah
1: yeah wow. well, hey, uh, speaking of full circle, uh, the kids are here, so I need to get <laughs> We've been wrapping for a while. Uh, you have to come back on the show. I know you're going out of town, but we I to- love yeah.
0: chatting with you. I yes. could just we can sit here and be like, oh, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. we started at noon.
1: <laughs> yeah, and again, this is a uh, uh, I had such a great time chatting with you. It, like I said in the very beginning, this is like the best case scenario for me because it is just we get to we still yeah. talk business. But, um, it's just no, no one knew where we were going to go with this. So, um,
0: including us.
1: Exactly. And I, I, (laughs) that's what, I'm not going to lie. This show has helped with my presentation just because I'm learning how to listen and how to respond and adapt and process on the fly. in a little, I love
0: that. I love that. That's so
1: awesome. Let me talk about the weirdness of social media and stuff. There's also this, this thing that I'm realizing that when the time comes that I die, which will happen at some point there's going to be this weird audio catalog of there's over 90, almost uh, probably a hundred hours of me with my friends Mm. chatting. And you know, what's kind of rad about that? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if another coach will ever listen to that, but like my kids, right? My kids, when I'm gone, I'll have that. Um, My grandkids will have that. I don't know what will happen with great grandkids, but like I'm starting to really value this podcast. Um, in that weird way that this is going to be, someone's going to be able to like hear how genuine our friendship is through this um, in a very weird, real non-forced way and not in the, we're yeah. being authentic or being Yeah, when, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag buzzwords. But like, uh, I just think that's cool. And I think that's when we were talking about the positive side of social yeah. media. I hope that's what it ends up being. Again, I don't Wait. know what happens when Facebook collapses. I think there's the possibility that that could happen in the future, and then yeah. all of that information's kind of gone. Um, but yeah, but you
0: just when you just said that, like, I literally was eaten up with goosebumps because, man, that's an amazing legacy. Like, that is a pure legacy to be able. Like, my parents had to make cassette tapes reading a book to somehow leave for my kids. First of all, I don't know where they are. Secondly, am I going to be able to play them because it's the you know, but like how powerful, how beautiful, like that's a beautiful thing. And then the social media to go back to the beginning, what I wanted to tell you, when I lost my PD, which you know is my love, I, and say I'll start crying, <clears throat> I can't tell you the power that I felt of love that people sincere like sincerely because they followed along with Petey because I posted so much about it. it's like they knew that dog. And I felt so loved. I had flowers show up at my door, the beautiful private posts that like you had posted. So those do warm your hearts. Those hearts, those comments, they do warm your hearts. It's like people do care, you know.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's I think that is now I'm starting to lose it a little bit because, you know, I lost a friend uh, a week and a half ago. We lost Landon Jones. And, uh, y- you know, it wasn't just me commenting to the team, or, uh, but seeing all of the members of the Ninja Army, you know, sharing stories, yeah. sharing photos was really wonderful. And, uh, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm selfishly, it meant a lot when a lot of the condolences were also went to the team right? As, as us as a family. And I think that is special. And I, I think yeah, I've said this on the show before. It, the good thing about social media is I bet by just people getting a certain number of unexpected likes on their birthday, that it probably stops some people from committing suicide. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some sort of statistic to that. Just at that yeah. the moment, the flip side of that, I have seen angry people be like, well, fuck that fake emotion of clicking like call somebody I'm like, you know what? Like, <laughs> gotta really look in the mirror hard if that's where you're gonna judge that shit right yeah um, but like i i do think there's like a positive power that's in it i think when we define ourselves by it yeah right? like yeah I, I there was a couple of things that happened a- around this last thing where uh, uh some people posted like a couple of too many pictures in my thing where it's like you know there is a point where we have to mourn alone <gasps> too in a way like yeah. and i wrote a thing for on, on the on the private ninja forum which is like you know for for members of mark fisher fitness about like i really you know i did my base post about landon's passing and then as things like i had to work basically or be with my family all weekend i couldn't go to these two yeah things and i just want to know that like hey you know i didn't just blow them off to blow them off like you know i really felt like i needed to be with my family on saturday and i taught sunday and but I do struggle with this idea that we have to validate our feelings repeatedly on social media. I think that's like when you suffer a loss, I think that's one thing. Um mm-hmm. wanna celebrate something. But when you wanna uh, there's a thing about perpetually trying to show how much you care in a weird way. Like, does that make sense?
0: Uh yes. So it's you like, know it, it's like you can feel it. Can't you feel Have like- you
1: ever seen the the movie Um oh shit? It's Andy Sandberg from SNL. I think it's called "Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping."
0: No, okay. and I love him.
1: It is freaking hilarious. I really don't know how this movie didn't like become like Anchorman Legend status, but he's got a song about being the humblest. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think sometimes this probably goes in with the the you know some of those fitness inspiration motivation. <laughs> Like we're really yeah. missing part of the message by like yeah. showing how humble we are, by yeah. by being, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm humbler than you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like listening to somebody and perpetually saying, well, the best is actually, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I I care, you more. I care more. I care more. I hurt more. Like, okay.
0: well,
1: this was an awesome conversation. Uh, Elizabeth, where can people follow you? Instagram you have mentioned.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, Elizabeth dot S dot Andrews.
1: All right. I'll, I'll, I'll share that up on the show notes.
0: I adore you.
1: Oh, likewise. I love you. And, and say hi to Ridge. Um,
0: oh, I will. Our buddy. Do you know, I love it. Uh, just real quick. I just so think that piece is so cool. Cause have you not reached out to me a few years ago and said, I got a buddy moving back to Seattle. Can you hook him up? Instantly brought him into my people training with us. And I've taken him everywhere I've gone since like he's, I feel like he's like my brother and he's so honest with me too. Like he calls me out on my shit and just but doesn't take me personally, you know. I just and he's salty. I keep saying, you know, Ridge, I'm praying you up. We gonna get you all married, have five babies. It's like don't do that.
1: So what you're saying is, I know Ridge has this great gig. Uh, we can't say the gig. There is an NDA. I know what it is, folks. I'm yeah. not being coy about it. There's an N- yeah. a non-disclosure on it. Yeah. The uh, so yeah. thing is, I should get at least 10% of whatever he's making right now.
0: I'm just saying, <laughs> had it not been for you.
1: Well, I want to thank you for, uh, you know, it's funny. He's become such a part of seeing, yeah. you know, me seeing him around you and with Sokol that yeah. I forget that I even made those introductions. Yeah. Because uh, Ridge was just a friend. And, you know, that's the thing. We talk about these connections you make in this industry. Yeah. You know, I met, I happened to meet Ridge in, as a neighbor first before we realized we were both, you know, trainers. Right? I think he knew I was involved with kettlebells or something at the time. But, like, I think it's awesome. So, thank you for, like, you know, taking the moment to, like. Check in with a friend and look where it went. Like, I think that's amazing. Uh, well, folks- it also
0: shows good people, right? Like, yeah. I knew you were good people. I trust you. Like, when you were talking about some of these smaller organizations,
1: I won't prove you wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, you can't. I've known you too <laughs> long. But it's like when you know, like, I trust you. I trust what you're a part of. So, as people are listening to you, when you mention these companies, people should be alert to, like, if he's saying it, it's legit. I'll tell you that right now out of my, this horse's mouth. But I trusted you. And then, and he is good people. When you find good people, you wanna, you know, you wanna rally and lock
1: arms, you know? Yeah, there's, there, you know, I, I just don't view competition. I, I just view support. Yeah. Uh, there's enough people that we all need training. And I will say this, like, you know, when you meet people, there's also, you know, there's the people you get along with, you have a good time. And then there's people that, yeah. like, there's like some sort of like deeper bond. And again, yeah. it's weird. This show is a weird one where I get to talk to so many people that, this is the longest conversation we've ever had together yeah but you know we've been outside you know we've we've been out abroad in arizona for a couple of these 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 summits and hung out uh rex just walked in the background he's adorable uh, oh he's a dog. yeah but uh, i i just think you know embracing that that when you have those connections and that again social media works a really good yeah. platform for that but also this podcast but i'll also say this like what i try to do now is like even when it's just like somebody needs some help with something I try to set up the zoom so we can see each other. I fucking hate texting. Like, I just don't want to yeah. do it. Um, it's good. If it's like literally two words, like on way home, like yeah, yeah. that was three words. I know folks, Math. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's great if it's three words, but like just being able to see your face, it's like, we got to hang out and, yeah. uh, you know, that's the amazing part of technology and just time and time again, it's awesome. But like, I'm really glad we had, a, we had hey. this moment because, uh, you know, it's been a few years since we got to hang out. And, you know, the Ridge connection is strong. And, folks, Ridge is the guy who he's been on the show before and has literally, he's the guy who created the Die Mighty logo. Um, Very talented. On all the stuff. Super talented. And we've got some other stuff potentially in the works together. Yeah. Um, well, hey, I love you. Thank you so I much. I love you.
0: Tell the family hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, so much fun. It was a pleasure.
1: And this will come out on Monday, but I know you're going to be abroad for a couple oh, of yes. weeks. yes.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, like, let's catch up when you get back.
0: I would love that. Right. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury-Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by The FTW. Visit the ftw.nyc for band tour, music and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn
1: Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's g l e n n u r i e t a or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Voice Voiceover by Laura Palmer.